The Do You Mind.life project is intended to empower and connect women by engaging them in heart-centered conversations. In a time when we too often minimize, apologize, or ask for permission, DoYouMind.life seeks to help women own our choices, claim our voices, and rise into the fullness of who we are. The Do You Mind podcasts are conversations with women who create, innovate, and make a difference in their communities and in our world. Welcome. I'm Stacy Lee, and this is the Do You Mind podcast. I'm having a conversation today about the theme of time with Paige Britt. Paige grew up in a small town in Texas with her nose in a book and her head in the clouds. She studied journalism in college and theology in graduate school, but never stopped reading children's books for life's most important lessons. Paige is the author of Why Am I Me? A picture book celebration of unity and diversity. It received four starred reviews and was named a Best Book of 2017 by Publishers Weekly. The New York Times called it one of five new picture books that not only embolden children to think, but inspire them to feel. She is also the author of the middle grade fantasy, The Lost Track of Time, an exuberant homage to the power of imagination and creative problem solving. And I'll be reviewing that book later this month. In addition to being a writer, Paige is a meditation instructor and a spiritual director. She lives near Austin, Texas with her husband. Welcome, Paige. Thank you, Stacy. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, thank you. I am so, so glad <laughs> to be able to sit down and have a conversation with you yeah. about time. Yes. So, are, you know, as I've explored the theme this month, um, I'm looking at a lot of ways that um, time affects us and our perception of time affects mm -hmm. us, especially as women. And I love your book. It's geared toward yeah. middle school, as it said in the yeah. intro, but it really, it's much more than that. Yes, I get as much fan mail from parents as I do from children because they're reading the book to their kids and then they end up writing me saying, oh, I see what you were doing there because <laughs> I have a message that's uh, universal, not just for kids, yeah. but for adults too. And so it came out of my own need to wrestle with this question about time in my own life because I felt very, um, I felt very, uh, the, the word I guess I was hounded by time. Uh, yes. And, um, and so I, uh, as a writer, the way I figure out you know, the conundrums or the problems in my own life is to write a book about it. Exactly. <laughs> That's what we do, right? Right. <laughs> That's what we do. So um, I want to tell just a little bit about the yeah. book. And the, the core character in the book is Penelope. That's right. And um, she, it's called The Lost Track. I love the, your puns, The Lost Track of Time. Right. You know. Um, but she begins the book hounded by time. Yeah. And I think that that might be a little bit autobiographical on your oh part. Oh my gosh, it's so <laughs> autobiographical. So the, her mother in the book is the one that is very obsessed with time and is constantly um, wanting Penelope to be productive all of the, you know, all of the time. See, it's so hard not to use right. that word. Um, and people think that that was the way my mother was to me. And I, I just have to say for the record, my mom was not that way at all um but i was that way right towards myself right. so it's very autobiographical so the mother expects penelope to be productive all the time her life is is kept track of in 15 minute intervals and she has to be constantly achieving results and that's the trap that i fell into um 
And so it's very autobiographical. And the reason why it says children's book is because uh, when I was eight, I was free from all of that. And so I right. had to go back to that part of myself that didn't feel like I was constantly pressed for time. So I wrote the book, you know, to that eight-year-old self. Uh, so, so you're the mother. I am the mother. You're Penelope. And I am Penelope. And you're the reader. Yes. <laughs> Talk about messing yeah. with your head. Yeah. <laughs> and so the, the conceit or the idea is that she's... Uh, constantly press for time and she has this schedule that her mother keeps and like I said every 15 minutes she yeah. has to do something and one day there's a hole in her schedule and it's an accident it was the day that her mom forgot to fill in and so she falls into that hole yes and so mm -hmm. discovers another world and at the bottom and so that's where the adventure really begins yes well it's just kind of like Alice going down the rabbit absolutely hole, right? which actually I write about the rabbit hole of time this month also yeah um, so yeah and she finds this other world that's and right. finds that she can breathe yeah right yeah it's called the realm of possibility yes and so this is a place where anything is possible and she can, you know, explore her own ideas. It's a fantastical and highly creative space. It's been created by this character called the Great Moodler, which, you know, if that was right. just the whole story, then that would be the end. Like, the end, she discovered this incredible realm. But no, there's danger there. So, yeah, I, I want to talk about some of those dangers because yes. one of the first ones that comes to my mind is the Naughty Woods. Oh my gosh, and spell it. Cause yeah, so what, yeah, so I want to work it with the play on words. Yes. So we think of naughty, K-N-O-T-T-Y, mm -hmm. right. woods, like trees. Yeah, like naughty pines or something. Right, yeah. but you talk about naughty, N-A-U-G-H-T-Y, mm -hmm. woods, like wood, should, could. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So well, tell me a bit about the naughty woods and what, what that's mm -hmm. all about, because we all have those in our lives. Oh my gosh, I was just beset by them. and. Yeah. I'm a, I'm obviously creative because I'm writing this children's book, but you know creativity when it becomes kind of toxic um, can become rumination. So instead of mm -hmm. imagination, it can become rumination, which becomes stagnation. Yes, and that's what happens yeah. in the book. Yeah. She gets caught by those naughty woods, like the the trees themselves capture her because they're whispering in her ear what life would would be like if she were you know more efficient or more intelligent or more beautiful whatever it is fill right. in the blank you've got yours i've got mine i mean right. we all have them and so those naughty woods ensnare her in this snide gossip and so she is literally trapped and begins to be you know the moss begins to grow on her Oh, that's right. I'd forgotten about you the moss. You got it. Exactly yeah. right. Stagnation oh, yeah. is what that happens. Yeah. And so, yeah. And she gets out, you know, from the naughty woods through help from a friend, which is, again, you know, straight out of my own life experience. When I am stagnated, when I'm caught in those naughty woods, when I hear them, but even worse, when I believe them, right, then um, I can't get out myself right. and so I have to have that friend that comes along and get and you out of that yeah. it's, it's like a rut it just keeps running we keep right. going through that same thought oh, process yeah. over and over again and yeah where's a, a path in our thinking pattern that's absolutely yeah so somebody comes along and pulls you out yeah. it's that friend and we all have that friend yeah and you know hopefully we are that friend yes for yeah. other people 
Well, and so in order to have that friend, they have to yeah. be someone who sees you and they have to yeah. see uh, you're in that pattern and not judge. Yes, that's right. And just speak that beautiful truth of who, you know, of who you are. I wish I could find a passage from that because, um, and I'm opening the book so you'll hear these little pages turning. So. And the book, by the way, I love the illustrator. I love the way that the illustrations turned yeah. out. He did it. His name is Lee White, everybody. Well and done. And he sells prints on his website of all of his art, so I encourage you to check him out. Um, so he says, what are friends for? This is Dill, her friend. If they, if they can't help keep the naughty woods at bay, after all, who can say how you would be if things were one way or another? All we know is how you are, and how you are is exactly how you're meant to be. So, I love that. Yeah, we need that friend to tell us that. You are exactly as you're meant to be. Yeah. Yeah. Because we do have, and, and it's not just the woods, it's the woods and the shoulds and the coulds. And the coulds, and, yeah. Yeah, but for me, a lot of times it's should. What should I do? What should, mm -hmm. and, and that is a shifting of perspective to like, what does it look like to someone else? Right. What should I do is yes. like filtered through somebody else's eyes. Exactly. Instead of going within and knowing from my core, this is the thing that feels like the right thing to do. That's right. Well yeah. said. Yeah. yeah. It's an incredible book. Okay, I want to talk about moodling because yeah. uh, the great moodler, that's a word you made up. No, I have to give credit to a woman named Brenda Uland. She was a hmm. writer and a writing teacher around the turn of the century. And she wrote a book called If You Want to Write. And it's about creativity and the human spirit. Oh, and okay. It's real, I, I can't encourage you enough to check out this book. Okay. And it was really transformative me, to me when I read it because she's exuberant. She says, be a lion, be a tiger when you write. I mean, that's the, the language that she has. And she's so enthusiastic. And she says, thumb your nose to the critics. What do they know? And you can write and you can do it. And Love it. And so she was yeah. that cheerleader for me when I read this book. And my husband found the book in the library and, and brought it home to me. And she talks about moodling. And she talks a lot about time. Yes. And she says, moodling is that unstructured time when you let your mind wander and you're not always being efficient and you're not always pushing and trying to achieve. And, and so it was this permission that I needed. You know, sometimes when we don't have the word for something, it feels amorphous and unreal right. and unimportant. Right. And so she had the word for it because, again, hearkening back to my childhood and my wonderful mother who encouraged what I now know is moodling. <laughs> but, you know, when I was eight, I was an expert moodler, yes, you know? Yes, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and so I for that's what I forgot. That's what I lost when I became an adult. And, you know, I was working for high-tech startups. And, and so my life became really pretty crazy and hectic. And I forgot, oh, moodling, it is a real thing. And it's yes. valuable. And it's yeah. important. And then later on, I began to learn, and I have a whole file of articles um, to justify, you know, to justify my commitment to moodling. But <laughs> there is really a lot of uh, science out there about the importance of creativity, the importance of having that unstructured open space to let your mind wander. You know, we all have heard about 
Einstein and how he would go for these long walks and just let his mind rest and wander and he would discover things that way. Right. And so they, right. there's a lot of study about the power of, of, of moodling is what I would call it. The but resting mind. Yes, yeah. and allowing yourself to just daydream and not being pushed and harried and that what the fruit of that is vital and important and incredibly creative. And so um, the character in this book who created the realm of possibility, her name is the great moodler. And she it. moodles mm -hmm. up incredible, you know, fantastic ideas and notions. Yes, and but then she has a problem in the book. But she I wanna, does. I, I, have we more can come problem. back to the, the problem in the book if we want to. But <laughs> yes. the, the power of moodling, I'm not sure exactly when we lose that. I don't and know. And I don't yeah. really think it's as adults. I think it's somewhere along the way, mm -hmm. well, somewhere between the eight year old and the adult. Yes. It, I have vivid memories also of like lying on a blanket sunbathing back when we used to think that that was a good thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> I would just freckle and, and burn <laughs> because my skin is very fair. It was a really stupid thing for me to try to lie in the sun. But I would lie there and I would look up at the clouds and like make shapes out of the clouds. You know, the way we do. Classic moodling. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. I and we had time for that and it just felt like my favorite moodling place is the bathtub. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I sit in the bathtub and I just like up to my neck in yeah. water and just soak and let myself have that space. Absolutely. But as I sit there, I can think about what it was like to have that time and it, it like felt like it stretched to eternity. It yeah, it probably did stretch on forever because time as you have, you know, accurately surmised is very squishy. It's not this yeah. linear thing. And then when you're very present and in the now, so now you can tell I'm a meditation teacher, um, you enter a space where there is no time. Um, it's just the present now, now, now. And so it's very kind of um, wobbly. Wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> yeah. I do. I really, I really related to that um, episode from you, and so that is absolutely essential and very important. And um, my other picture book actually uh, is very connected to moodling because the question that the child or the children is two children asking these questions is why am I me? Now that right. question comes out of of no time. It, uh, it comes out of that space of just open possibility and wonder. And um, when I talk to children about asking those big questions, I talk about, you know, uh, Socrates who said, wisdom begins in wonder. And oh, yeah. so, yeah, real true wisdom isn't, you know, knowing, having all the answers, but it's, it's living in the middle of all those questions. So, yeah, yes. it's important. I love that. <laughs> okay, so that makes me re feel really good about the other day when I was at my friend's house picking her up to go on a road trip, and I noticed an exoskeleton of a, um, what do you call it, a locust. You know, yeah, little, yeah, yeah. And I just stopped and picked it up, and I looked at it. And I remember looking at something like that when I was a kid and just, like, wondering about what, what did that creature feel like? How did it know it was time to crawl out of this one that it had outgrown? It was no longer going to serve, and it needed to to move on. Wow! And you know, just like, and I just just holding that, I moodled 
you know, had a well, chance to moodle. It's really interesting that you say that, um, especially about the locusts, because I had that experience a lot when I was a kid, exactly with locusts. Really? Yes, and I used to collect them because there was something mysterious and wonderful. I couldn't put my name, or put, put my name, put a name on it, but um, they really evoked in me that same experience. Oh, so wow. those were oh, like wow. touchstone touchstones for me were those locust exoskeletons. So yeah. really interesting <laughs> that you <laughs> had that same experience because okay. that's like something I've never really talked about, um, that those were something very, very special to me that evoked that experience and that feeling oh. of the, the wonder and the bigness of life really yeah. in this tiny yeah represented by this tiny thing that could shed its skin and um, take on a new life I don't know that's still blows my mind (laughs) have you ever actually seen one as it's emerging yes I have now that you say that and I have a visual of that but I don't know when I took a photo of one when I was on a trip I'd love for you to send that yeah yeah I will send that to you because it's it, it was it was interesting because it was multicolored I yeah i didn't know that it was so colorful because yes. you know you see this little brown They're sort of iridescent yes mm-hmm. yeah so that's kind of that's an interesting metaphor isn't it mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> love that this this kind of brown hard shell and then the thing that comes out is this beautiful iridescent like exquisite yeah. yeah wow that's okay little <laughs> moment here <laughs> that's really amazing <laughs> so the thing with time and we're talking about time this this month yes um i think we all all really are penelope mm-hmm. we may not dish our time out in 15 minute increments but yeah. whatever the increments are they always feel like they're both too much and mm-hmm. not enough not enough you know, we're caught in that like it, it, the weight of the time, right? Pressures that we feel, and we we have so many. And you use so many of those terms. Right. You, you might rattle some of them off from the book, but you use so many of the lost the, time, hard time, time after time, right time, big time, prime time, good time, free time, race against time. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And yes. the interesting thing was, is when I wrote this book, um, I decided not to make a list of all the phrases about time, to just see how many I could use off the top of my head. As um, you were writing? As or? I was writing. Wow, okay. And it's full of references to time. And so um, towards the end, I started kind of scraping the bottom of my own mental barrel and had to you know, write some of them down or look at a list. or. But it was really quite easy, and it tells you how obsessed our culture is with time, that there's just so much, um, you know, there's so many references to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So well, and the, the, the journal in the mm-hmm. book, the journal that Penelope's mother writes in has a Ben Franklin quote on every page, right? That's right. <laughs> and right. Mo- most of those have to do with... Have to do with time. And wasting time. And wasting it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I just thought that was funny because um, the mom really does not understand her daughter. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so she's really at odds because those, those quotes, those Ben Franklin quotes, uh, and that's poor Richard really. And, yeah, and right. that's actually a clue. If you read the book, poor Richard actually, actually turns up. 
That's right. It's, yeah, <laughs> we won't say how. But, um, you know, they're all about productivity and and they're a little bit preachy and they just, uh, you know, they really don't connect with Penelope and who yeah. she is and yeah. the kind of person she is. So, so as we as we look at time and particularly how that applies to women. Yes. Um, I think that women do perceive time in a different way from men. Mm. And, and that may be sort of a, I know I have to speak in glittering generalities when yeah. I'm speaking around that, but, yeah. but I think that for the most part we do mm -hmm. um, because the time pressures that come at us, whether if you have children, mm -hmm. even in the most modern of couples, yeah. studies show that it's usually the female who takes on much more mm -hmm. of the caretaking roles. Right. Um, even where both the, the partners are, are trying to share things equally and mm -hmm. making a conscious effort at that. Um, women tend to end up in caretaking roles for parent, aging parents. Right. We tend to take on social responsibilities, you know, mm -hmm. arranging the social schedule. We tend to, we take these roles on mm -hmm. whether and I'm not really sure why we do that. I'm sure it's because we're that's how we're enculturated. I, I think a lot of it is that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a friend of mine said, "Well, maybe we're just better at it." <laughs> I said, "Well, but why? because we have to be." I think yeah. that's way you know. There's these expectations. And if there's one thing I would say that you could take away from this book is a, is it's a message from the Great Moodler to Penelope, who again. We haven't mentioned, but there, the the realm of possibility has been overrun by this. Well, I don't evil wizard. I guess his name right. is Kronos. Right. And Kronos. So, yes. And so he's turning everyone into clock workers, and um, you know, putting them in this clock tower, and on Which and on. Which is very factory-like yes, and very like factory. cold and hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he banished the great Moodler, and it's Penelope's you know, quest, every story has a quest. Of course. Huh? To find the great moodler and to free her. And um, so I won't tell you how she does that, but she does meet the great moodler and the great moodler says to her, because he, she can see that Penelope is, is really, you know, beset by time. And um, so she says, time isn't precious. You are. I love that. And if you remember that, you're sure to use it wisely. Okay, say it again, because that's, yeah. I had actually forgotten, I haven't gone back and read the book yeah. again. I was going to before we got together, but, yeah, but that it's just line in there. hit it's me just, when I read the book, mm -hmm. and then when you reminded me just now, I was, it's, all right, again. Yeah, so she isn't precious. That's right. You are. Mm -hmm. And if you remember that, you're sure to use it wisely. And so it puts yeah. Penelope in the place of power to use time because the way she's experiencing it, which is the way I was experiencing, which is the way many people are experiencing it, is that time was like the ruler and it was dictating to us what we did right. or did not do. Right. And so the great moodler is reminding her, time isn't precious. That's not the resource, really. It's you. And if you remember that, you'll use it wisely. You will. Exactly. And that's yeah. so connected to something I heard on another one of your, you know, audio blogs, which was choice management instead yes. of time management. And so that's this that's a more sophisticated way of saying exactly what the great Moodler was saying, which is, you know, 
you're what's precious. Yeah. Remember yeah. who you are, yeah. how precious you are, and then you make decisions about how you use time. Time's not using you. Yeah. So, yeah. The other book I'm reviewing this month is It's About Time, and the subtitle is The Art of Choosing the Meaningful Over the Urgent. Oh, I love that. So, you know, I, I re I'm actually right now dealing with this very issue. Mm -hmm. So I came down to have this conversation with you, and when I was just an hour out of town, I got a message that I have a family emergency that needs to be tended to. And so then I was faced with, do I need to rush back right now? Should I stay and do our conversation and then go back tomorrow as I had originally planned? Mm -hmm. And what I had to sit with was what's meaningful versus what's urgent. Mm -hmm. So I'm here. I can sit down and have a conversation with you, which is so valuable. And then I can get in the car and go back mm -hmm. and not be with my family night, yeah. and not spend an extra night yeah. and get back. So um, what's meaningful in is connection with family. Mm -hmm. And it's also meaningful to be able to have this conversation and mm -hmm. share it. And if, it, if that weren't meaningful, I'd have gotten in the car at 6 o'clock this morning and headed back. Right. You know? So there were two things that were meaningful. Um, and, and I think balancing those is really what life is. It's, yeah, it's yeah. finding the meaningful. But we, we do tend to rush from, you know, our, our phones, our telephones ding at us all the time. Yeah. Our computers show things. If you have television on, TVs constantly, oh, the television news is the worst. <laughs> if you watch TV news, which I don't anymore, um, only in restaurants when they have those, they insist on having TVs in. We are constantly bombarded. We're bombarded. And not only, it's like one image, and then it says breaking news, urgent bulletin, whatever it says. And then there's a ticker tape at the bottom. And some news stations actually have two or three ticker tapes mm -hmm. running like stuff. And I'm supposed to be keeping up with all of this yeah, stuff. And I'm much. just, it's a frenzied. You know, I wanted to say, in connection to what you're talking about, um, circling back to time isn't precious, you are, and yeah. you're saying that somehow the way we relate to time is gendered, and I think that often women are, the way we're raised and taught to think is to value other people over ourselves, yes. and so we really get lost in that equation, and we get our identity um, or we get a lot of our sense of self from what we do for other people. And so That's that so yeah. yeah, and so that message is, well, time isn't precious, you are. For, pe for women to really know how precious they are, and that actually putting themselves first in not every situation, but in many situations where they feel fulfilled, where they feel seen, or they feel loved and heard, then they can go and take take care of other people, and it's out of abundance. And instead, we often yes. get reinforced to just, you know, exhaust ourselves beyond the limit. Where we're depleted. That we're depleted. And so remembering we are precious, taking our time for ourselves, taking time to moodle in the bathtub, <laughs> or, yeah, for go and do those things that give us life. Um, then we'll use our time wisely and we can say yes or we can say no. And so um, I actually, am, as you mentioned in the introduction, 
I'm a spiritual director, which means I work one-on-one -on -one with people, helping them to find the sacred in the midst of their everyday life. And I work with people from all different backgrounds, men and women. But I have a woman right now, and one of the things I'm doing as a spiritual director is being what I call a no coach. <laughs> a no coach? A no coach. Coaching her and how to say no, because she's saying oh. yes to so much in her yeah. life that she is spiritually and emotionally and physically. But, you know, all of that depleted. Yeah. And so... In this case, you know, she's not seeing herself as precious. Everybody else is precious. And then what's happened is that, you know, her life has lost that wonder um, and yeah. that vitality. And so I think that's really important for women to remember yeah. how precious oh, they yeah. are. And that when they remember that, then they'll use their time wisely. Yeah. Mm. I think you're exactly right, though. <clears throat> we do tend to almost define ourselves by mm -hmm. our relationships with others mm -hmm. and how we serve others and that is such a it's almost in our DNA yeah, yeah. Um, whereas most men have a sense of self maybe that's not completely true though I think a lot of men have a sense of self that's related to the roles that they play mm -hmm. not maybe mm, I'm thinking through this as I'm saying it yeah. um, that's what a conversation is yeah exactly <laughs> Try but, it on. Um, but it seems like women define ourselves more through our relationships and how we interact with others men may maybe through the roles that they play mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. that they've taken on um, and you know I am a provider I am a mm -hmm. you know whatever my, my occupation is I am and and women tend to define ourselves through you know I am a mother or a wife or a mm -hmm. daughter or mm -hmm. you know a friend we tend to yeah yeah find our identity yeah yeah, so that makes sense that the way that we view time is through that relationship and how we're, mm -hmm. how we're, um, and we're giving away our time to others. Yeah, right. Which is okay to do when it comes from abundance. Yeah, I think so. Right. I love that. <laughs> I love that. Well, Paige, thank you so much. This has yeah. been wonderful. I, I love opening up the conversation. Mm -hmm. I invite our listeners to have conversations with others in your lives about time and how you spend it. You can pick up a copy of Paige's book. I encourage yeah. you to read it. I'll be doing uh, a book review of that later in the month as well. Um, so you'll see a, a brief um, blurb about that because even though it's a ch children's book right. or a middle school book, I think we find a lot of wisdom in kids' books. Yes. it's Well, like you said in the intro, I mean, I, I went off to graduate school, but I never stopped reading children's books for yeah. some of life's most important lessons. So I wanted to be a part of that tradition. I love that. It's wonderful to be with you. Thank you for what you're doing with Do You Mind? Oh, thank you. Yeah. Through the friendship with you, um, much of that has been possible because you have helped me to oh. recognize... How precious you are. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Paige. Until next time. If you have enjoyed listening to this podcast, we invite you to subscribe or, better yet, become a member of the Do You Mind Life community. 
Members are invited to join the conversation on our discussion page, and they receive a monthly membership box intended to connect them with the monthly theme in a variety of ways. Please visit www.doyoumind.live membership to learn more. Thank you for listening.